Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Sunday Take. I'm Blois Olson, and it is December 10th, 2023. The week behind was all about the budget forecast, and it says we have a surplus in the near term, but we could have some issues in the long term. We'll talk to Speaker Melissa Hortman and Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson on the surplus and what to expect in this upcoming session. It does appear that uh, the governor uh, kind of said, look, we, we got to be careful in any spending going forward, things like that. But are there big fixes ahead in the legislature? We'll see. All of this with the lens of what does 2024 look like? And I will say this, that it is beginning to be a more active conversation. I think legislators are really starting to think about what does 2024 look like? The House members kind of kicking up their activity. Governor Walls also was uh, elected as the head of the Democratic Governors Association. This elevates him to a national stage. Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan was elected chair of the Lieutenant Governor Association for Democrats. So, yeah, I think you can see that Governor Walls is going to increase his national profile. He's going to do more Sunday talk show nationally. He's going to be around the country raising money. All of this on the idea that people wonder, is he going to run for a third term? What does he want? Where do we go? And while that's a long way away, if you think about the dynamics within the Democratic Party, the age of Joe Biden, the opportunity that could open up or a cabinet post or something like that, I think you have to keep be mindful that all things are possible when it comes to uh, Governor Walls on the national stage, uh, including, you know, I could see him wanting to run for president. Now, that's a long shot, but don't say you didn't hear it at one point if indeed in two to four years we're starting to hear about that after his Democratic Governors Association um, uh, stint. Republicans, not only do they not have a candidate against Amy Klobuchar, they don't have a candidate in the third district yet. But I hear buzz and sense of buzz that Tom Weiler, who faced Dean Phillips last time, may be starting to think about running. So stay tuned on those things. When we come back, we're going to talk to Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson. But first, a message from Minnesota corn growers. You know, look, It is imperative that farms and family farms are sustainable. Sustainable is a word that gets thrown around the environment, but the truth is sustainability means that you can maintain a certain level of production, a healthy crop, a cleaner crop. And Minnesota corn farmers do that every single day. If you think about the fact that 99% of all farms in Minnesota are family farms. 
owned by Minnesotans. That tells you that they care about that land. They care about that community and they care about the water and the air. And so Minnesota corn farmers continue to invest, continue to modernize, continue to innovate in their practices for a cleaner, more sustainable Minnesota. Minnesota corn growers help them by investing, supporting research at the university or supporting new innovative uses for corn. And of course, we do know that it's Minnesota corn farmers and ethanol that's made our air cleaner. That's the message this week from Minnesota corn growers. When we come back, Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Our first guest this week on Sunday Take is Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson. He joins me now. Senator Johnson, thanks for joining me. Hey, good morning, boys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, um, budget forecast came out this week, and you know there's a modest surplus in, in the near term, but there's some issues in the long term. Is this is this a surprise to you? How did you take it? What what was your thought as soon as you heard the news? Well, I, I think it wasn't so much a surprise to uh, Senate Republicans when we were looking at the numbers. I mean, if you look at last session, we talked a lot about, um, hey, you know, the rate that we're spending money, the the rate that the Democrats are proposing and passing their budgets, uh, there's no way that we can have a structural uh, surplus. You know, we've spent a number of years building up the finances of the state, making sure that we were on solid ground. And even the February forecasts of this year showed that structurally we were taking in more revenue than what we were spending. Uh, But this recent forecast now in November has completely flipped that to the point where we are negative $10 billion. Uh, And so the only way that the Democrats can say, hey, we have a surplus is because of that that money that we've built up in the bank account uh, structurally uh, is still there. And so now they're taking out of that and saying, see, we still have money to, to pay our bills. But that's like, you know, living off of your savings account, uh, even though you're spending way more than you're taking, taking in. You can't continue to do that. And that's what we see the Democrats doing. And then going back and bragging about we still have a surplus. Well, that won't last long. And you can see that in the out years. We have a huge danger in this state going forward if we continue to spend the way that we are. So I want to look at this just because we're a few days removed from the forecast. You talk to colleagues around the country, you probably get information and studies from around the country. Minnesota is, you know, has this tradition uh, that people talk about, like we're a generous state. We have a more progressive tax system. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's always these headlines about, you know, competitiveness, things like that. Where do you see the challenges, maybe not in the next two years, but in the next five to 10 years? Or what do you hear from other states or from business owners as you talk to them? 
Yeah, I, I think just regardless of even the reality, which which is bleak for a lot of businesses in this state, but that rumor has gotten out uh, across the nation. So now our reputation in this country is we are a high regulation, high tax state. And so we don't get the looks that other states do when businesses want to come and expand and, and do their things. Uh, you know, in this nation, we aren't the place to go anymore. Yet, you know, we've got a great, uh, you know, workforce here that, that's ready. We've spent a lot of money on education, both primary and secondary education in this state. Uh, so we're not doing our people justice when we are, you know, our our starting tax is higher than most states, uh, you know, highest tax rate for individual income tax. You know, how are we attracting people when we're when we're giving them the signal that you come here and we're going to make it miserable for you? You know, this is something that we had a budget surplus of seventeen point five billion dollars. We could we could have so easily, you know, invested that back in our people, back in the infrastructure, back into education. Instead, it ended up being all these extremist pet projects and growing government by 40 percent. I don't know how we're going to sustain or attract businesses and people to the state if what we're known for is extremism, is high taxes, is that sort of thing. Uh, so this this really worries me, this trend. And, and so now we cannot continue to do that. Clearly, our budget won't allow for it. My guest is Senator Mark Johnson. He's the minority leader of Republicans in the Senate. Let's look ahead to this next session. Uh, it's going to, you know, it's bonding yeah. session. D- Democrats have said they want a bonding bill. They're going to need your cooperation. Um, yep. The tradition and culture of the legislature is that that uh, waits till the last minute or, or or second and that people use leverage, including in this case, you guys would use your leverage. What other issues do you think could be tackled this session or or have you had any conversations sure. with Peter Dietzik about how to how to navigate this so that it doesn't come to the last second. Yeah, well, maybe this could be the last bill, the first and the last bill. Uh, we could we could take a look at that bonding bill uh, and get out of here uh, early this year. That would be my hope and prayer. But the reality is that that will never uh, probably come to fruition uh, this next year because there's a lot of fixes that we need to be doing. If you look at things like the uh, legalizing of uh, recreational cannabis. Uh, cities have got some issues. County has issues. I know there's some uh, licensing issues in that one too as well that that really we need to be looking at uh, going forward. There's a number of fixes across the the spectrum that you know every once in a while they'll pop up. Uh, SRO, uh, another one for our for our schools, the safety of our students. Uh, that's another issue that I think we want to take a look at. We're going to push hard to see if we can get some fixes in there that works for both our schools, the public safety officers, uh, and then the communities, of course. So th- there's a lot of fixing to do from last year, but as far as an appetite for uh, continuing to build programs, build government uh, for my caucus, uh, there is no such appetite. We've heard, uh, we heard it last session that Democrats might pay cash for uh, capital projects instead of borrowing. They need Republican votes to borrow are there projects that are a priority uh, for your members? Are there projects that you think either within an area, higher, sure. things like that, that you think should be kind of prioritized in the bonding bill? Yeah. So one of the things that, that I think, uh, you know, as they go across the state, uh, looking at some of these projects, wastewater is always something that comes up. 
uh, wastewater infrastructure is, is something that we need to be looking at, making sure that that our communities are uh, protecting the environment, but then also, you know, making sure that they've got access to to resources there that uh, will help them uh, in their communities. Uh, and wastewater is a big one uh, for that as well. Uh, and, there, and there's a number of priority projects. Each community has its its project, whether it's an airport or a facility of some sort. Drinking water uh, is another one too. So, looking at those infrastructure uh, projects, to me, that that's where we need to be looking at. It cannot be a continuous Christmas tree of pet projects. It really needs to impact not only the present generation, but also generations to come. Uh, those are the types of investments that bonding is ideal for. Uh, so we got to take a look at that. And now we haven't caucused uh, the bonding projects. We don't know what's in there quite yet, of course. So uh, it's something that will develop through the through the session. When you look at the one seat minority that you're in, the one seat majority they are in, um, are there places where you're sensing there might be bipartisan agreement or sentiment that, you know, whether it's a legislative fix or something to deal with in the future that you think your members have talked to each other about or, you know, from across the aisle? Yeah. And, and I think there, you can find that in any of these bills going forward where there it's already state law. We understand, you know, some of the things that have, that have happened uh, this last session you know, let's just take recreational cannabis, for example. You know, we want to make sure that the policy that's enacted uh, is the best policy for the state. Now, that didn't happen last session. So we're going to go back to the board and do everything that we can uh, to make sure that that we make the best out of what is there. So we've got a number of members who are working uh, behind the scenes on trying to help fix some of these issues coming up. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's so many so many things that, that went wrong last year and. And I, I'm sure you noticed this too, boys, but it just seemed like after COVID, uh, it got to be where, where members really pulled over to the sides, picked their side of the aisle and went with it. I really encouraged our members, and I think our members did a good job of trying to reach out and work bipartisanly. What was shocking to me last year was just how closed off the DFL was to having conversations that could help represent both you know, Republican districts and Democrat districts reaching across the aisle. I've never seen it like that. I've always been very impressed and surprised when I first got into the Senate of how collegial it was and how you could work, you know, work pretty well across the aisle. Uh, but that really got cut off, especially this last year with new members, new faces. And I'm hoping that's something that's going to change because that's that does a disservice to this state. Well, I think, you know, my sense is, uh, you know, both between the trifecta and the one seat majority that the Senate just felt like they had to be, you know, hyper disciplined in, in doing that. And and I think it'll be interesting to see, obviously, kind of how this next session goes when, you know, yeah. not a budget year. So uh, oh, and, you're, and you're right. And there's been some issues within, you know, the DFL caucus itself that seem to be kind of fraying those internal relationships as well. So maybe there's some places where we can come in and they see that they were willing to be there and work and have, you know, we're not going to try to tear it apart or anything, but let's now try to fix those issues if they can't get it done on their side. Senator Johnson, thanks for joining me on Sunday Tech. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, boys. When we come back, 
Speaker Melissa Hortman on what her caucus plans to do in the upcoming session when all their members are up for election. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Final guest this week on Sunday Take is Speaker Melissa Hortman. And it was a budget forecast week, and there's been kind of some action on bonding tours and other things around the state. So we'll talk about the upcoming session. Speaker Hartman, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. So what was your what's your take on the forecast and the and what the this year and the out years look like? Well, it's great news for Minnesotans. There are surpluses as far as the eye can see and really strong economic performance. I think the thing that stood out to me the most was how strong Minnesota's uh, workforce is. We are a very hardworking people. We work at a rate much higher than the national average. And so it was great to see that those numbers are really contributing to our state's financial stability. Well, you say there's forecasts far the eye can see, but there are some structural concerns in out years. Any thoughts on, is, do we just have to wait and see kind of how tax collections go or any thoughts on some of these programs that are going to add to, you know, the tails, as you call them, on the budget and spending in the future? Well, I think Republicans are looking really hard to find bad news and a very good economic forecast. Only Republicans could find um, fault with uh, an additional $808 million beyond what we were expecting. So the way that the budget is structured is because we had such a large amount of one-time money, it will take a while before that works its way through the system. So we retained uh, some cushion for the, the next budget year. But what you see in the out years that's really exciting is that revenues are going up and spending is actually going down. So certainly the state spent more when we had the one-time surplus, but in the out biennia or in the years coming, the costs of state programs actually go down because we budgeted for that. We budgeted to spend a one-time surplus one time. So there are going to be pressures, though, aging uh, population, workforce. We obviously have to attract workers to the state. Is, is that something we need to do sooner or do we have a, a little bit of a runway there? Well, I think we have to do it all of the time. Uh, we have to keep at it. And one of the things I'm most proud of as this Democratic House, Senate and governor presided over the most productive legislative session in 50 years is that we sent out the bat signal to people who are hardworking and like to work for a living. We The bat signal we sent out is these are Democratic leaders who value workers, and we will work to make sure you get the pay and the benefits that you deserve and the working conditions that you deserve. And Minnesotans have responded in working at record levels, we have now exceeded our pre-pandemic peak employment of 2.9 billion. We're at the 3 million mark. We have more than 68% of our um, workforce is in the workforce and working. That is the fourth highest in the country. And our unemployment rate is 3.2%, where the national average is 3.9%. So when you look at like the forecast that forecasts what the national economic performance will be, we extrapolate that, we pull it into the forecast, but recall that Minnesota always does a little bit better than the national average. It's typically been high education, so therefore higher wage jobs uh, on average, but it's also our work ethic. And I think what we're doing at the legislature in partnership with the governor 
is saying to workers, we value you and our state laws value you. Let's look forward to the session. I'm with Speaker Melissa Hortman here on Sunday Take. Speaker, it's a bonding session. Um, You've signaled that, you know, you'd like a bonding bill, but if Republicans don't cooperate with votes, then maybe it's a cash bill for capital projects. What's your sense of where the buckets of priorities are in the bonding bill or capital projects? Sure. We have a pre-existing agreement between the House, the Senate, and the governor where we parked $876 million in cash for the 2024 bonding bill. Now, in light of the the forecast that presumes that we're spending $880 million, and if we only spend $880 million, then we we retain the surplus in the 26-27 time period. Um, given that that's such a tight ceiling, you know, we may want to have discussions about whether we want to spend the full $876 million that was in our prior agreement on cash bonding. The forecast also dropped the amount of general obligation bonds that are available. Uh, based on our debt guidelines, the uh, Minnesota Department of Management and Budget had been telling us we could have general obligation bonds, in other words, borrowing, in the amount of $880 million. And they said, no, uh, according to our debt guidelines now, we will give you a cap of $830 million in indebtedness. So if we have Republicans play ball, we could have a bonding bill that's about $1.6 billion dollars. If Republicans don't play ball, I would see something closer to the neighborhood of $800 million. Are there other issues you think, either tweaks from legislation that was passed last session or other issues that have arisen that you think will you know, consume a lot of time this upcoming session? Well, public policy is like laundry. You're never done. You might have <laughs> a great Sunday night. Everything's folded. It's hung. It's where it's supposed to be. But turns out the next week, you got to do it all again. So there, I'm sure that there will be a lot of work for us to do uh, with a part-time citizen legislature and people back at their normal jobs in the summer and the fall. Uh, We'll have an accumulation of issues to address, but we don't have any money to spend. So I think when, you know, people started to get used to these uh, outrageously large surpluses, because we are expecting the economy to go into free fall during the pandemic, and it didn't. So we had forecasted low revenue, and then we had normal or decent revenue. Um, but we're through that. And so people who come to the legislature saying, please fund this or that very important need that we have in the state of Minnesota, should know that this year they'll likely be disappointed because um, our budget is balanced. We have a projected surplus, but we don't Uh, have room to be spending money on things uh, in a big way in 2024. Away from money, um, I like your metaphor about laundry um, because you're right. Laundry is never totally done, no matter what. Um, And so are there other big issues? I call them shiny objects that you think will get a lot of press, either tweaks to cannabis or school safety officers or gaming or anything like that? Well, we're certainly going to be working with the law enforcement groups and the school districts and advocates for students on the school resource officer issue. Um, I think it's a clear uh, standard that police officers have one and only one standard for reasonable force. I think most people agree with me on that, and we're going to make sure that that's clear in law. Um, We also will be talking about sports betting. 
We didn't get that bill through last year. We prioritized the state budget. So I would expect there will be more conversations about sports betting and whether that has a place or doesn't have a place in our state. And I would foresee some tweaks to the cannabis law because it is a very major piece of legislation. And I think as people have unpacked it, they've discovered new issues or areas that this the state maybe should speak to. Your entire caucus is up for election next year. You've kind of laid out where you think things are, but what are you hearing from members around the state um, about what's on the minds of, of their district? Well, we're sort of at the beginning of getting the, the voters orders for calendar year uh, 2024. We, we really think about um, our work in cycles. So we went out in 2022, we asked people what they thought, and we brought their views to the Capitol and put that into effect in 2023. Now we're starting the updated conversation to say, hey, Minnesotans, we're checking back in with you. What's on your mind? But we're at the very beginning stage of that. So the political year really will take off in January when we all start to reach out to our caucus attendees and ask for their support at our precinct caucuses and our endorsing conventions. And then we'll have those really in-depth conversations with Minnesotans starting most heavily in June at the doors, where we talk to them all summer and fall about what it is they'd like to see. I'd say based on the polling data I've seen from this fall, Minnesotans are still in the same place they were in the summer of 2022 when we were on the ballot last time and and intensively talking to voters, which is they care a lot about um, bodily autonomy and reproductive freedom. They also care a lot about controlling costs for their family and making sure that folks who are in the middle class can stay in the middle class and folks who aren't in the middle class can get into the middle class. So we really focused on cutting costs for families. Um, one of the most exciting things I found about found out about recently is the New Horizon uh, Center in Prior Lake is cutting tuition for families by six to seven percent because of state funding for childcare. So that's the kind of work we're we're doing for families to keep their costs under control. You brought up bodily autonomy, uh, Speaker Hortman. Um, there's been chatter about putting a constitutional amendment on the ballot related to uh, abortion. Where are you on that issue and what can voters expect? Well, I'm cautious on that because amending the state's constitution is a weighty issue. And so I think we have to give careful consideration to what the language would be, what the campaign would be in the state to get such an amendment adopted and whether it would be likely to be successful. So I think we'll be talking about whether such an amendment makes sense in Minnesota and whether we would do that in 24 or 26, and how that does or doesn't interplay with the Equal Rights Amendment efforts that are already underway. Sounds great. Speaker Hortman, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Well, great chatting with you, Blois. When we come back, this week's Take, Blois Olson on News Talk 830 WCCO. This week's Take is all about the forecast. Look, we had 50-degree weather this week. It was beautiful. It was great. And that represented the tone of Democrats about our budget forecast. Oh, it's great. We have a surplus. We're going to be okay. They they did kind of throttle back on the idea that we needed more spending. But if you look at the forecast the way the MMB looked at the forecast, you will see that, like winter ahead, we've got some challenges 
we know it's going to snow. We know there's going to be ice. We know in Minnesota that it's going to be uncomfortable. And the budget forecast also showed that there's some discomfort ahead in Minnesota. Now, like the weather, there'll be variables. The variables could be wind chill. The variables could be wind. The variables could be sun. Could be how much humidity there is, how much snow there is on the ground. The variables in the budget are similar. Minnesota needs to attract workers in order to sustain our level of growth. We know this has been a challenge, and the Walls administration and Democrats have said, look, we're going to buy down the cost of living, whether it's childcare or healthcare or other things, to try to get workers here. Teachers are being recruited. Our workforce is strong. It is active. And overall, it's fine. But other economic reports said we are growing slower than the rest of the country. We don't have the growth that it's going to take to make these budgets work. After all, we're going to need corporate profits to remain strong so that the state can collect the money. We're going to remain need employment to stay strong so that payroll taxes are up and Ultimately, consumers are going to have to have money to spend money so sales tax receipts can go up. Those are the three legs of the revenue stool. We don't know what the future holds, and that's not new. But the last session was one that added many new things. And as people ask me, especially folks who feel doom and gloom, How do you feel about the future? I say, I'm not worried about the next three to five years, but in five to 10 years, some of the decisions of this recent legislature could be too costly for the state budget. The other thing you have to keep in mind is that so much of the state budget comes from the federal government, which of course can run a deficit, can build the debt, but that too is likely to cause some challenges. I was with some friends this weekend and I said, you know, I think a good quarter, two quarter recession could reset the workforce, could reset wages a little and could help set, bring down prices. I'm not an economist, but as I look at this budget forecast, I see that we're going to have some thunderstorms, lightning, maybe a tornado, hopefully not another massive blizzard or a tornado that causes great damage. But to think that Minnesota is going to just smooth sail in the budget forecast going forward is a dangerous look. Workers are more mobile. Businesses can move anywhere. And ultimately, the regulatory environment remains very challenging. And so We need high income earners to stay in Minnesota. We're going to need teachers to teach the kids so that we have the workforce of the future. And the elephant in the room is when are we going to modernize higher ed, which is not as cost effective as it once was and will need to reform itself. So you heard from Speaker Hortman, you heard from Leader Johnson. But like so much of the legislature, it's about the next session and then an election, and then we'll figure out the next budget. It's up to MMB, which released the forecast this week, and up to you as listeners to look more than one or two years ahead, especially if you have young children, especially if you plan on building your career and your family here in Minnesota. Property taxes continue to go up at the local level. 
Will state taxes go up? And what are we getting? Businesses have long-term plans, and Minnesota needs a long-term plan. They need a long-term plan to be competitive, to recruit and retain employees and businesses. They need a long-term plan to refresh and re-energize our education system, and they need a long-term plan to deal with the changing dynamics of higher ed and the workforce and the skills of the future. So just like we have a forecast, it's probably time for the business community, the governor, and the civic community to come together and say, what do we want the Minnesota of the future to be? How do we remain competitive? Because whether you're in Denver or Raleigh or the Southwest in Arizona or somewhere like that, it appears they have plans. And it's not clear that Minnesota has a plan. Thanks for listening to Sunday Take this week. I always appreciate your feedback. Send it to me at bloyshelson at gmail. I'll be with Vanita Monday through Wednesday this week at 620. And uh, stay tuned to see what we have next week. I'm Blois Hilson. Until next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.